Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of in-the-trenches, tell-it-like-it-is reality therapy for personal, business, and real estate investing success. With your hosts, powerpreneurs, Angela Thomas and Ron Phillips, it's time to get real. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. I'm Angela Thomas, and I'm here with Ron. Hey, Ron. Yes, it's a good day. It's a good day. It's a good day. Heck yeah. I didn't even have to pull out my AK today. So that's <laughs> All right. always a good day. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so uh, we are excited to be here for another episode. Uh, today, we are going to talk about you know one of our favorite subjects, real estate. Um, and we're, we're going to go back to like the very beginning here and pretend, you know, you just put your first, your first, uh, investment property under contract. Stop it. I know. Stop it right now. For those of you listening who actually have just put your first property under contract, congratulations. That's, that's really (laughs) cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now you should pat yourself on the back. You should uh, you do a little dance. Maybe go out and get a little bit of, uh, you know, get a little nice dinner. Um, you know, celebrate a little bit, and then um, and then be afraid. <laughs> just just be very very afraid. Be scared to death. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. You got it. All right. If you're not and scared already, end of podcast. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, be very very scared. And don't get any sleep for the next 30 days. 30 to 45, depending 30 on... 30 to 40, and yeah, and maybe 60, yeah. um, depending on how badly you stress out um, and, you know, how quickly you get all your information. You can drag it out to 60 if you panic about every single step. You're right. <laughs> it's, it's important that you do it. All right, there you go. That's all you need to know. That's it. Panic. Now's the time to panic. Panic mode. Uh, make sure that you call uh, whoever is in charge of your contract and everything like that. So if you're, if you're doing this on your own and you're just working with the seller, make sure you really call them up and freak out on everything. Yeah. That's important as well to the process. And we assume you've already beaten the contract to death before signing it, right? You already picked apart the whole sales yeah. contract. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, didn't we talk about that in a former uh, uh man i don't know if we have yeah uh, well if we didn't let's take a second now and yeah. just go through that right so what you really want to do what you really want to do is you want to piss the seller off good before the escrow process by really beating the crap out of them um, <laughs> get them all the way spent with you so that there there's absolutely no more room for any you know kind of patience and then be very, very afraid. And make sure you have a lawyer and a couple friends uh, look through your contract and pick it apart as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Attorneys should definitely be involved in the contract, especially if it's a state realtor contract. They should definitely be involved in picking that apart because it's totally worth your money. Lord knows, you know, attorneys have not already picked that thing apart a dozen <laughs> times. So. Okay. I don't know if everybody out there out there can tell how sarcastic we're being right now. You think maybe they can. All right. I'll give them the I mean, I'm just you know, you guys probably will at some point after you congratulate yourself and pat yourself on the back and feel really good about the fact that you just inked or in most cases you just digitally inked a uh, contract. You're going to wake up at like 2 in the morning with a cold sweat 
and you are going to freak out, uh-huh. massively freak out. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a big thing. It happens all the time, right? Yeah. Angela, these people, you know, I mean, it's it's normal. Yeah. I, I, re- I remember distinctly putting my first property under contract, and I, I'm sorry to say that I freaked out. You freaked out. You Everybody can't. freaks out. I mean, it's just, just human nature. Just the reason that we're making such a big deal out of it at the beginning of the podcast is so that you guys understand you can laugh at yourself when this happens to you because you are not abnormal. Nothing is really wrong with the deal. You are just having a normal emotional human response freak to out. a real estate contract. That's all that's happening. Yep. If you don't freak out, there's something wrong with you. So I, if you don't, right. you're one of those weird people that can just, you can just keep buying. No problems, right? Yeah. Most people have to actually get to that point, but some people just start out that way. And, you know, that's great. We need to find person. one of those and have, and have them on the podcast because they could probably teach us <laughs> some things about apart. staying calm in other areas of life. No, we yeah. should find a uh, psychiatrist, have them on, and we could maybe figure out what makes them tick. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. So... All right, really what the point of this is. So we're joking about freaking out. I mean, everybody does it. But we want to logically look at this process with you and talk about, you know, what to expect after you put your property under contract and maybe take just a little bit of the fear out of there for you. And, and, tell and you continue to make places, fun of you. Tell you some places maybe you should freak out. Like, I mean, there are legitimately some places that you should freak out. Now, that doesn't mean you have to call screaming up at people and, you know, really, really freak well, that never out. does anything. So nobody ever does that anyway, right? <laughs> no. Nobody does no. that. Nobody listening here would ever call anybody up or stand at the Delta counter and, and yeah. freak out on somebody who didn't do anything to them. Nobody would do that. I mean, yeah. come on. All right. Our so listeners certainly wouldn't do that. No. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's never happened to us. So, um, so let's, talk, let's talk about yeah. the escrow process, Angela. This is fun stuff. This is yeah. where the rubber actually meets the road. Now, now something's actually going to start happening. All right. So first off, you know, after you sign your contract, you, you immediately panic and stay up all night. And, you know, people tend to really freak out if they don't hear anything for a minute about their contract. (laughs) So I I just want to mention like every, you know, real estate transaction I've been involved in after signing the contract, you don't hear a whole lot until there's an inspection or an appraisal, you know? I mean, hopefully you hear from somebody saying, congratulations, that's awesome, depending on where you bought it from. Maybe you don't hear anything if you went out and bought it by yourself. But... Yeah, I think it's really important to pause. Let's, let's take yeah. a time out. If you are, <laughs> right. we're going to try to do this in, in like separate iterations all in the same podcast, meaning you're going to go do this on your own and you're, you're buying it through some kind of a realtor or professional company like us. Those are kind of... The, the transact, the process is the same, but it, it may not feel the same to you. So <clears throat> it's important that we kind of make it. So we're going to make a clear distinction between the two as we go through. So that, that's what Angela is doing. There you go. Angela. Yeah, thank you for the intro. Yeah. So, uh, you know, all I'm saying here is, you know, it's not yet time to panic if you sign a contract and you don't hear anything for a minute. <laughs> all right. This yeah, is wait, wait till halfway through, then you can panic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all you do is sign a contract. You still have your due diligence period, the inspection. By the way, you should always have a third-party inspection. Don't let anyone tell you you shouldn't. We we do that as part of our process. But but yeah, we you know I've seen a lot of people kind of panic 
in the time between uh, signing a contract and getting an inspection. <laughs> just absolutely yeah, freak out. Or having anything else happen, right? Was, yeah. Just, listen, between those times, what re- this is what really should be happening. What really should be happening is you should be doing what I do around tax time. And that is, I'm trying to gather all the freaking documents the gosh dang lender's asking you for, right? right. Along with your DNA sample, and they're going to send somebody to your house for, you know, <laughs> and blood samples and everything else, right? I thought you were going to say something highly inappropriate. So I probably was, but I. <laughs> this is a this is a family show. So this is I, a fam. Yeah, I hope you have your kids on here. Those that all should still be happening, right? So you you should be turning in all of your documents. You should be in communication with your lender. That ball should be rolling while you're in your due diligence period, because it's not going to cost you anything to do that stuff. And all you're going to do is hold everything up if you don't. Right. And if this property didn't work out, well, then you're that far ahead on the next one because they've got all your documentation and everything else. Right. So, yeah, no matter what, you want to get everything into the lender. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Definitely. All right. The other thing is, is that you probably need, you should have already read your contract. Now, I know this sounds weird, but some people sign contracts and they don't actually read them. I, and it's really weird. I don't understand why you would do that, but a lot of people do. So, especially if you're going to do this on your own, you should at least read the contract, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to put a caveat in there. Like in our company, because we have such great relationships with our sellers, you know, um, a lot of times we can make little things right that are maybe there's something messed up in the contract. We can usually fix it after the fact, um, because we have a great relationship with our sellers. But if you're just buying from, you know, a random seller by yourself or, you know, a company you haven't worked with, reading your contract is extremely important, right? I mean, you want to anyway, always. Okay. So we were making fun of the whole attorney thing because we kind of hate it when people do that. And it's a state, it look, if it's a state realtor association contract, it's about the most fair contract there is known to man. Right. And the only real reason to have an attorney review that contract is to review the bullet points. And if you can't read the bullet points yourself, well, you know, (laughs) maybe go back to grade school. I don't know. Those usually aren't too terribly difficult. Right. If you get a contract that's not a realtor contract that's obviously written by the seller and you can't understand pieces of it, then you probably should actually get somebody who knows what they're doing to read through it and make sure you're not signing something that's going to screw you over. But state realtor association contracts are designed to be fair to both parties. So unless somebody writes something unfair into the contract, it's pretty much fair. So paying an attorney to review a realtor board contract, in my opinion... And of course, I am not providing you any legal uh, <laughs> advice here. Is yeah. stupid. Yeah, that's a bit of a waste of money, in my opinion. Yeah, but you knock yourself out if you want to, because guess what? The realtor association contract isn't going to change because your attorney thinks a paragraph in there is a little bit messed up. They're not. Gonna, we're not changing the verbiage on, on the state <laughs> association contract. So just no. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Just, so you yeah. should read your. You should read your contract, make sure that it is what you agreed to. And if it is, you can sign it and then you can send it to, you know, then you're going to need to send it to your lender if you're doing this on your own. 
and, you know, start going through that process, right? So right. the point of reading that was there's a few dates in there that are important, Angela. Yes, there are. You should know what they are. So, I mean, hopefully you've got somebody helping you do this and they know what they are, but you should also know them yourself because ultimately you should have read the stupid thing anyway and you should know what your dates are. Yeah, and real quick, you know, you, you obviously want to know when your due diligence deadline is because that's really important for if there's any reason you need to get out of it, getting your earnest money back. And then the close date, you know, maybe have an idea when that is and make sure it's not over a planned family trip or business you trip. Also need to, you also need to find out what your, um, if you have a financing contingency in there, which, you know, we don't allow, but if you do have a financing contingency in there, you need to know what that date is too, because you need to be pre-approved by that date. Otherwise your money goes hard. Thank you. When I say your money goes hard, that means that your earnest deposit is no longer refundable. It's non-refundable. Okay. So uh, anytime you hear that lingo, that's what that means. All right. So there's okay. a couple of dates in there you really need mm -hmm. to understand. In addition to that, it is very popular nowadays when we're talking about appraisals to have a contingency in there that states that if the appraisal comes in low, suck it up, buttercup, you're paying the difference. Yes. Right? That's very, very common today. We see that with a lot of people in our space putting yes. that in there. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> So I don't want to skip over the dates. Dates are really, really important. Okay. And I'm going to come back to this in, uh, appraisal thing because it's really, really important as well. But the inspection... Yeah, let's go back, let's go back and talk about the inspection report. Because speaking Please. of panicking, this is everyone's favorite place to have an absolute freak out panic attack. All right. Yes. <laughs> inspection report comes in. What do you do? You look at it and you panic. Because the cute little house that you saw on the website or wherever on the pro forma... Uh, now looks like absolute crap that should be blown up in the pictures in your inspection report. Or right? worse yet, the one that you actually physically walked through and now, looked is fine. Piece, now is a piece, now of, crap. Is a piece when of crap. You walked through it, it was fine and dandy, but now all of a sudden it's a piece of crap, right? Those pictures, the inspectors are talented photographers, man. They just, you know, they, look. they made my brand new house I just bought look like an absolute piece of crap too. So. And, and to be fair... To yep. all of the inspectors out there who sometimes are the bane of everyone's existence, they, it's their job. They have to. Hiring them to pick apart the house that you're buying or the property that you're buying. That's, that's what you've employed them to do. Yep. So don't freak out when you get a huge report that's got a whole bunch of tiny little stuff on it, maybe a couple of big things on it, but that it looks like, I mean, <clears throat> their, their job is to find everything wrong. Now, they won't find everything that's wrong, but their job is to find as much wrong as they possibly can. In addition to that, they have this inspector language where they write things and it makes it sound like something could be wrong. <laughs> maybe it is, maybe it isn't. They don't can I, really can, know. I, can I just give one example real quick? And I'm sorry, I'm always ranting about the house I just sold. And here we go again. I'm, I'm really sorry. You can just shut it off now. Skip ahead a couple of minutes if you don't want to hear about this. But I just sold a house, okay? And the inspection that came back said that there were cracked, there were a couple cracked and missing shingles on the roof. And the inspector said, <laughs> I didn't go. I mean, they said in the report, I did not inspect the roof. I saw a couple cracked shingles from the ground. 
there may be a roof problem that could potentially cause leaks, I recommend having it evaluated by a professional. So, of course. Not like, not like an like, inspector. Not an inspector. He's not a no. roofer. He's not a professional about anything. He's just an no. inspector. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not professional. Oh my God. So my buyer flips out, absolutely freaks out. And he's actually an investor. He was going to buy this house and, and rent it out. Freaks out because we all know what's one of your biggest expenses with owning a house, replacing yeah, roof. a roof, a roof, super expensive, way more than an AC even, right? So he absolutely freaks out doesn't even want a roofer to come out and look at it. He takes from what the inspector said in that report that the roof is absolute crap and must be ripped off and replaced or he's not buying this house. Now, mind you, the house is only 12 years old. So, I mean, this roof is not that old, right? Um, So anyway, I let that buyer go and I had a roofer come out and the shingles had just blown off in the wind. Our insurance covered it. It was like $500 to fix. The roof's completely fine replaced a couple shingles and we're good to go. So just, just a quick little example of, I mean, how many times does that happen in an inspection oh, report? It, 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 listen, it's in every, I guarantee you in every inspection report, there is inspector speak, which is what you just, I mean, that's what you just articulated. It's inspector speak, right? You, you make this big statement. And the only reason they made that statement is because they don't want to get sued afterwards if they're, they're covering their butt in case the roof actually was falling off and crap okay, because so they don't know. A leak. Nothing really wrong with the roof. And Nothing. you guys, when you get your inspection reports, you're going to have to read through the inspector speak. You're just going to have to read through it. Now, if you want to go and have a roofer go out there and look, there's nothing wrong with that. You've got your due no. diligence period. You can do that, right? But just understand that, uh, you know, when somebody says a cracked shingle, like a cracked shingle, might need to replace the roof. Those two don't equate, right? It's not the same thing. Okay. Could potentially be leaks. And there's, you know, potential, potential leaks and people go leaks. Oh my roof. gosh. Um, yeah. Okay. No. So no. Uh, anyway, yeah. maybe we flogged that one enough. You're going to get okay. an inspection report. It's going to have a lot of stuff on it. There's a summary page and then the details below it. So if you look at the summary page, the summary page is where they summarize all the things that they feel like should be fixed. That doesn't mean it's all the things they found. It's the summary of the things that they think they should fix. You should actually look through the whole report, right? Just look through it, all right? Now, if you're doing this on your own, this can be a point where you can go back and negotiate. Hopefully, you don't do it like the dude that Angela was just talking about did because he could, could, you know, he could just send out somebody and go, hey, Angela, this is going to be 500 bucks to fix. You give me 500 bucks? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if if yeah. the guy would have yeah, had a roofer, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would have yeah. agreed. No problem. No problem. Yeah. Done. And then we'd be done, right? Right. Okay, so if you don't freak out, most things can be taken care of, right? In a calm, civilized manner. And if you've got somebody <laughs> who's a professional that's helping you, let's make sure we're calm and civilized with them because they're going to help you on the other end, right? Do you see my tone? My tone even changed. You know, let us be calm. Yeah, you're very calming right now. Oh, I like it. Yeah. So <laughs> All right, yeah. So we flogged the inspection report. There you go. Whew. So the next panic point uh, in the escrow process is uh, the appraisal that you touched on briefly. <laughs> so. Unless something happens with the lender. Oh, yeah, yeah. And okay. um, in which case... Can we just have a blanket statement that you don't freak out on anybody, including the lender? Thank you. Yeah. 
yeah. done over with. Uh, appraisal. You're right, Angela. Yeah. So obviously, if your appraisal comes in high, celebration, you got a good deal, carry on. Uh-huh. Um, or, you know, most appraisers... Cool gang. You start playing cool in the gang in the back. Yeah. Start doing dance. <laughs> Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, most of the time, they don't come in high because appraisers uh, are just trying to justify the amount you're paying. So they usually just come in right at the amount. But what happens if you get a low appraisal? You absolutely panic and yell at people. You freak out. You freak out, right? It's the only <laughs> it's the only thing that you can do at this point. Yes. Panic. Panic. Okay. Mode. So okay. <laughs> let's go back to my first thing. Number one, when you read your contract, you read down through there and you of course read through the appraisal part because the appraisal part, I just told you people slip this thing in there where you have to pay the difference, right? Which means you don't have a contra- an appraisal contingency. So if you're past all of your other deadlines, your money is hard. And the appraisal doesn't make any difference at all. The only difference it makes is how much money you have to bring to the closing table. Okay? So that little tidbit is really, really important. We do not do that. I also believe that people who do that are punks. I don't like them. No. If you get a low appraisal because you got a sucky appraiser, well, then you call the lender up and you go, hey, that sucks. Here's a whole bunch of comps to prove that it sucks. And, you know, you resubmit them and then you prove the, the appraiser wrong. And if that doesn't work, because sometimes it doesn't, you can thank your lovely government for that. Don't get me started um, on how bad the appraisal system is right now. Yeah, let's not. That would um, take a while. Then you, then you start over, right? You cancel the contract and you start over and, and you buy something else, right? Okay, quick but, little thing. Yeah, if you're, sorry, if you're buying a property, you know, with our company, um, we actually negotiate this with the seller. We figure out, we we and the seller figure out how to handle the appraisal and then bring it back to the buyer. And it's, you know, it's always one of those solutions. We get a new appraisal. We, uh, you know, we have them fix the one that they did by giving them a bunch of comps or the seller works out some kind of deal so that it makes sense. So, but if you're buying it on your own, you got to know how to handle this. Look, there's a, there's a whole bunch of people out there who are doing this and they and <clears throat> some of them are doing it because of what happened with the appraisal system, right? It it is completely screwed up. We could do a podcast on how Just bad on the that. appraisal system is screwed up. It is really screwed up. That's what happens when the government tries to fix private enterprise. The government does not understand how it works, so usually what they do to remedy things jacks it up even further that is in this is a prime example of that and so now you have russian roulette with appraisers and you could certainly get one that it just completely sucks had a bad day doesn't want to be at the house very long i had one on one of my properties and the dude walked in to the front room and left never stepped foot in any other part of the house didn't know that we had finished the basement didn't know there was another bedroom and full bathroom plus family room wow. none of that right <laughs> So there are pathetic appraisers out there. And I know why some of these other guys put this in practice. They're like, screw it. I'm not, I'm not going to be beholden to the appraisers. I get that. But what that has done in, my, in this industry is it has, it has also led to make that seem really normal so that some of the people in the industry can completely take advantage of people by marking up the properties so they can pay a whole bunch of in-between people and take a ton of profit out of a property and overcharge the ultimate investor. 
All right. I'm just telling you, I know of many different companies out there that are selling properties for more than they're worth and they're paying a whole bunch of middlemen. And because of that, they have this clause. I also know there are other companies out there who are not overcharging for their properties. They also have this clause and they have the clause because they're sick of dealing with crappy appraisers. On in either instance, it isn't right. So Amen. The other guys who are doing it right, they can call me an idiot and they can they can tell me I don't know what I'm <laughs> talking about, whatever it is. The reality of the situation is nobody should pay more than an appraised value for a property, period, end of story. You shouldn't yep. do it, right? And you know, if you can't prove that it is, and if you certainly can't do it with another full appraisal, well then maybe just maybe the property really isn't worth what you thought it was. And just because you thought it was doesn't mean it really is. Yep. So be careful about that, guys. All right. Cool. All right. So uh, next thing is insurance and home warranties. We recommend that you have both. <laughs> so we uh, we put both of those in our process. Obviously, it's up to you, but sorry, yeah, I mean, Ron, we, go we, ahead. I mean, our insurance, we, we have, our, uh, we have a, a master insurance policy. Um, so we, we have incredibly good rates because of the amount of volume that we do and because of, some of the, um, because of some of the relationships that I have, we, we were able to get that. And, you know, so we just have really good insurance, okay? But if you're doing this on your own, you got to go out there and shop it just a little bit. Don't because you have an insurance company. Don't think that they're going to have the best insurance for an out-of-state property, and um, and for a rental property because they likely aren't, right? So you yep. need to shop that a little bit. And if if you're doing this on your own, you've got another professional to help you. Maybe a realtor. Maybe they have some contacts that you can call. And then I would also call some other ones, right? Because um, a lot of realtors don't have don't do a lot of volume in in this particular space, so they're you're probably not going to have the same professionals as a company like I would or like ours would, but, um, but they probably have some that you can start with. So, I mean, I would definitely ask for some referrals and then you just ask Facebook because yeah. everybody's on Facebook. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so insurance is really important. Home warranty um, in our company, we include a home warranty, a year home warranty with every property we sell. And it's your responsibility as the investor to uh, continue the home warranty after that year. And also to remind your property manager of the home warranty whenever there's a, an issue or a maintenance item to make sure they check with your home warranty first. Have you out that though? Yeah. It, it's your responsibility to let your property manager know that you have one to begin with. Yes. Because yeah. if, if they send people out to fix your property and they haven't used your... Uh, home warranty. I mean, whose fault is that? Who's? I mean, whose fault is that? It could be that you told them and it's their fault, but it could also be that they don't know that you have a home warranty and it's your fault. So right? I would suggest that you email all your home warranty details to the property manager so you have a written trail <laughs> to refer back to. Yeah. The only repairs that should be made outside of the home warranty are emergency repairs because the home warranty acts too slow for an emergency repair. 
So also, if you have an emergency repair, don't call your property manager and freak out on them because they didn't use your home warranty because they can't do that legally. They're obligated to fix anything that is an urgent matter, right? So, um, but home warranty is a good idea. And then, yes, like Angela said, at the year mark, whose responsibility is it to renew the home warranty? I'm pausing yeah. for oh, okay. effect. Yeah, the imbe- it's the investor's responsibility. I'm for effect. Yeah. That was for all of you to let it sink in. <laughs> uh, yes, it is, it is not the property manager's. It is not mine, and it is not Angela's, and it's no. not anyone else's. It's your responsibility to do You that. own the property, nobody else. So yes. your job. Yep. Man, okay. Okay, uh, so, so moving on to closing. So you made it through you know, the contract, the inspection report, the appraisal, you have your insurance, your home warranty. When you know you're coming up to closing, there's a few things you got to start thinking about. You you know, first of all, like I said before, make sure you're in town. That one's pretty important. (laughs) Don't, uh, don't go out of the country, uh, or wherever close to your closing date. Cause you know, we kind of need you there to sign some papers. The second one is, is to make sure Oh my gosh, Ron, what was I saying? What do you mean? Oh yeah. To watch out for your lender. Your lender's always going to need some last minute items, right? So just make sure you're around and ready to send them those last minute items. You may think they're redundant. They ask you for, you know, financial statements and all that again. A couple of times they're going to ask you, and this is what's called. They'll, they'll talk to you about that. They're putting the file into, uh, into underwriting. Mm-hmm. That's the first time that it's been to an underwriter. So they have all of the stuff and the appraisal and all the things. They send it in. When it comes out of underwriting, there's usually stipulations or conditions where they say the loan is approved on condition of that we check this pay stub or that we check this other box over here, whatever. They're usually really small things. But in a lot of instances, like Angela is saying, when it comes out of underwriting, well, they could need some stuff from you. And if you don't get it to them in a timely manner, it'll hold up closing. Yep. Then they put it back into what's called final underwriting, which is, hey, we got all the stuff that you asked for in the conditions. Here's the whole package. Now, just sign off on this thing so that we can move to close. Right. Yeah. And then there, and then there's the next period, which is the closing period. Right. And you wouldn't believe how many times people, I've seen people like freak out like you know about their closing like why didn't it happen on the right date and it turns out the lender was waiting on stuff from the buyer from the investor yeah, so just make sure out. you're watching or, or they'll freak out because they thought it was an underwriting and that's it yeah yeah exactly and it comes back out and they're like what i'm not qualified you what said happened? i was qualified yeah, yeah. And, and, that's and, all normal all right <laughs> yeah that's that's that's, that's all normal it's all, all good. good just all watch good. your email get the lender what they need right away so yeah i mean um, they're asking for when you got released from prison just, 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 just get them a release know. date. It's not a big deal. Come you know? on. Yeah. And congratulations on qualifying with that. So yeah. And getting um, too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you got all that done. We're closing. If you are purchasing out of state investment properties, you're going to be closing remotely. What does so, that mean, Angela? Uh, you don't have to fly out to your property you know, nine states away and close at the local title company. Right? Yeah. You can close where you live. Check that out. So, um, amazing. Actually, it's yeah. very nice. It's very handy. Yes. So somebody should be setting up a, uh, a a mobile notary for you, or they will have you sign at a local title company, local to you, not to your property you're buying. Yes. So Either just make sure you know where that's happening. What? And just so you know, 
when when they get there, there is going to be a very large stack of papers for you to sign. <laughs> yeah, real estate, man. Just know going into it that there's going to be like two inches of of papers for you to oh. sign. Hopefully with the cool little notes letting you know where to sign. So yeah, yeah. yeah or somebody <laughs> yeah. who can Yeah, the notary will show you where. So. Right. What's going on. So okay. you you just don't freak out because there's just a, there's a bunch of stuff. And yeah. whoever is there can usually explain to you um what those things are. And then if yeah. you have any kind of last minute freak out questions, you can either call your lender, who is the ones who gave all of the the numbers to put on the HUD, which is the closing statement. So if you get that closing statement, you don't understand the numbers that are on there and you know you, you need to ask somebody about it, lender's a good place to go if the title company can't help explain it to you and and or you can call us because we can yeah. also explain it to you. And then and make sure that... Own, make sure that you close your first one at a title company so somebody can explain it to you. Yeah. Right? that's yeah. I think that's important. And you can request that, so... And then, you know, after the close, you got to make sure the title company gets your paperwork um, and that your property management agreement, if you, I mean, hopefully if you're buying out of state, you have a property manager, right? Make sure that that is signed uh, and that they have your home warranty info and then you're good to go. So, and and congratulations, you made it through, you know? You know, Angela, what do you say we do? What do you say we do another podcast on now we've closed? Yeah, so... We just did this one on... So you had a contract. What if we do one yeah. about now? You just Yeah, closed. there was the whole escrow process up to close. Let's do another one uh, next time on after you close and what to expect and how to handle your new property. So we'll talk about that next time. Thanks hey, for spoiler listening. Spoiler alert. The first part is going to be exactly the same as this one. We may rehash a few things just to real drive it home. So, all right, cool. Get excited. Thanks, Ron. And everybody, if you have comments, questions, suggestions, visit getrealestatesuccess.com. Any comments you have, let us know any future topics you'd like to hear about. And also visit us on Facebook at Get Real Podcast. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Congratulations. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.